I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast, formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Welcome back to the Heal Her podcast. Typically, we interview women who are on their journey to wholeness, but today I wanted to talk about one of the tools that many of us have been able to use on our healing journey which is therapy. So I had a previous guest who was in the medical field who described therapy like an oil change for your car. You don't wait until something goes wrong. It's maintenance. So let's start with therapy versus counseling. Therapy and counseling are terms that are often confused. They are sometimes used interchangeably, but they are different. Therapy tends to be more focused on mental health conditions or behavioral um, thought or emotional patterns. Counseling focuses on specific issues a person is dealing with, such as difficulty getting along with a partner or family member. Now, there are different types of therapy that are available to people with physical or mental health challenges. There is talk therapy, and that's for anyone with mental, emotional, or behavioral challenges. However, people without these challenges may benefit from therapy as well. Therapy is also for people looking for support with daily life challenges, experiencing stressful life events, such as the death of a loved one, or facing relationship challenges. Therapy can help with abuse, trauma, neglect, behavioral challenges, daily life challenges, emotional challenges, life transitions or changes, mental health conditions, relationship challenges, and stressful life events. So I am presently doing individual 
uh, therapy, which is a talk therapy between uh, one person and a mental health professional. And that allows the treatment to be customized to the needs of that person. It is also sometimes called, I think it's (laughs) dyadic therapy or individual psychotherapy. There is one, um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And CBT operates under three basic principles that address the way a person thinks, their behavior, patterns, and how they cope with trauma or psychological problems. For many, unhelpful thinking, behavior, or coping patterns lead to psychological distress, and CBT aims to help patients learn to change their own problematic behaviors, thoughts, and coping mechanisms. Two, uh, there's dialectical behavioral therapy, which is DBT, and it teaches patients how to accept that their behaviors and experiences are valid and how to change their behaviors to move forward in a positive way. It is designed to rewire the patient's mind when it comes to coping and reacting to stressful situations or psychological distress. Three, there is um, psychodynamic therapy, which focuses on how people's past experiences affect their current behavior. It's designed to force patients to look inward and gain self-awareness around their behavioral patterns. In this type of therapy, patients examine past relationships and how they guide their current behaviors. Number four, there is EMDR. So it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So EMDR is a psychotherapy technique that combines structured therapy sessions and eye movements or other types of stimuli, such as sounds or taps. And during sessions, clinicians are, they use detailed protocols and procedures that are designed to help the brain access and process memories of traumatic and disturbing experiences. So while this was originally designed to treat post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, Um, EMDR has been applied to help with many other symptoms and conditions that bring people to therapy, including anxiety, um, and mood, um, and substance use disorders. Number five is humanistic therapy. So there are three types of humanistic therapy. So there's, uh, client-centered, there's, um, gestalt, and existential therapies. So client-centered therapy revolves around the rejection of the idea that therapists are the expert in their patient's mind. It emphasizes care, interest, and concern in a way that allows people to make their own choices. Gestalt therapy encourages patients to accept that they are responsible for themselves and it pushes the awareness of being in the moment. Existential therapy focuses heavily on self-determination and free will, as well as the search for meaning in a patient's life. So all three focus on the patient and emphasize their ability to help themselves. And number six, mindfulness therapy, which is being you know aware of your internal thoughts, your feelings, emotions, as well as external surroundings and situations without automatic responses such as judgment or stress. Mindfulness therapy is a type of talk therapy that focuses on learning how to be more aware and reduce um, automatic responses. So there are many different ways that someone can choose 
a therapist, and I will link in the detailed section of the episode um, the link where I was able to choose my therapist that lists all um, therapists, their uh, credentials, the area that they're in, the offices that they work out of, etc. But there are specific questions that you should ask yourself that can help narrow down your search for a psychotherapist. So one question you could ask is, you know, what type of credentials are important to you? If you are looking for a psychotherapist who can prescribe medication, then you'll want to go with a psychiatrist. If you're looking for help with like community advocacy, then a licensed clinician or social worker or licensed professional counselor may be best for you. You want to ask yourself, what type of therapy do you need? If you require therapy based on a specific type of mental disorder that you have, then it will be best to find someone who specializes in that area. You also want to ask yourself, like, what type of person would work best for you? You may also want to consider, you know, your your therapist's gender, religion, age. Um, For myself personally, I wanted a woman of color. Um, you know, there maybe you're a young woman who's experienced trauma and you want to talk to someone um, that can relate to your experiences and provide more um, lived experience versus book knowledge. And you also want to ask yourself, what type of therapy do you think will work best for you? So the approach to therapy is also a vital factor to consider. For example, if you're looking to overcome a phobia or behavioral therapy, uh, maybe best for you. If you are trying to change unhealthy behaviors, then you may want to try the psychodynamic therapy. When I was looking for a therapist for myself, I wanted someone who specialized in childhood traumas. I wanted someone who specialized in narcissistic abuse. I wanted someone who was a woman and a woman of color. Um, Those were some of the major things that were important to me when I was interviewing different therapists. Now, I want you to know that you do not have to, um, I guess, basically get married to the first therapist that you are referred to or that you speak to. I definitely recommend interviewing different therapists to see who is the best fit for you. This is someone that you're going to be building a relationship with, someone that you need to feel comfortable being vulnerable with. So, if you interview someone and you ask them, you know, their, their credentials and get to know them, you know, even go to a couple of ther- uh, therapy sessions with a particular therapist, you don't have to stick to that person if you don't feel that it's the right fit for you. I also recommend that when you're looking for someone who specializes in something in particular, that if you are referred to a therapist that does not to be mindful because that can actually do more harm than good. And I'm speaking specifically um, to those of you that have experienced narcissistic abuse because having dealt with someone with narcissistic personality disorder, having experienced narcissistic abuse, it is very disheartening and it can become um, like victim shaming and it can cause you to further shut down when you are sharing such a vulnerable experience with someone that does not understand, that does not understand the character traits and the personality of this type of individual. 
So I definitely recommend interviewing different therapists and making sure that they are the best fit for you. Now, since starting my journey with therapy this year, um, you know, I've, I've worked with other therapists, counselors, coaches, uh, mentors, etc. in the past. And in my quest for um, truly deep healing, not superficial healing, like that ugly <laughs> uh, process of healing to get to my best self um, and to rediscover who I am, I wanted to work with a therapist that had the credentials to help me um, heal those childhood wounds, to work through childhood traumas, to work through, you know, the past toxic relationships that I've been in and to understand my present behaviors um, and how to do what is best, not just for me, but my family, the community, and you listeners that I serve on a regular basis. So in uh, in doing so, I have decided that biweekly sessions is best for me at the moment. Uh, for some people, it may be once a month. For some people, it may be once a week. I have, based on not only my schedule, but also because I feel like once a month would not be sufficient um, to do the type of work that I want to do, I am doing biweekly sessions. So I'm going to share some of the tips um, that I have been given so far in my sessions with my therapist. Now, mind you, um, I, <laughs> to give it some context, like this advice was given to me specifically based on my life experiences and what I am presently dealing with. And I'm sharing with you because I know that some people may not be able to afford therapy. Some people may not be in a position um, where they can go, whether it be their schedules or, you know, their lifestyle, what have you. But this is just to give you some insight, I guess, to um, some of the feedback and the practices and routines that I have been advised to implement into my daily life. Now, I always thought that I had a very extensive self-care routine. I am someone who believes in, you know, the holistic approach to a lot of things. So I wasn't looking at a superficial self-care routine and going to therapy was one part of my self-care routine. Now, I break down my self-care into mind, body, and soul. Um, and there are many practices in each category that I do on a daily basis. I've shared on previous episodes and, um, you know, I'll, I'll mention it um at the end of this episode, but I wanted to give you some of the tips that I've been getting from my present therapist. Now, one tip she gave me was to start my day every single morning with 45 minutes of me alone time. Now, between my children, my partner, the dogs, my clients, there is a lot happening around me on a daily basis. And I pride myself on being of service to others and I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> and as much as I am an introvert that honors and understands the importance of alone time and, um, you know, quieting all the noise around me, even within my own household, I require 45 minutes of me alone time, no partner, no dog, no nothing. So my therapist recommends starting the day that way 
you know, before I touch my phone, before I start my tasks for others, starting my day with the 45 minutes of me. That could be walking, that could be reading, that could be working out, but it is starting my day with prioritizing me. Now, as someone who religiously used to go to church twice a week, um, you know, when it comes to even like the Ten Commandments, you know, the first one is to love God, and the second is to love the neighbor as you love thyself. So I guess point one and a half would be to love thyself. So in order for you to love your neighbor as you loved yourself, then you need to love yourself. And a huge part of loving yourself is self-care, prioritizing you. So given the many hats that I wear, um, mom, partner, author, podcast host, coach, you name it, my schedule can be consumed very easily. So my therapist recommended me time after work before switching into my mom partner mode, because going from work mode straight into mom and partner, it can be clouded. I could still have, you know, the weight of the day from my clients and my work on my plate and not be fully present with my partner or my children. So on top of the 45 minutes at the beginning of the day, when my work day is done, having some me time in between. That is to help me to switch gears. Now, um, my therapist recommended that instead of the daily um, updates that my partner and I give each other on what is happening with our day, especially work-related, that we save that for the end of the week. You know, we get consumed, especially being in a space of service, you're consumed with other people's problems, other people's challenges, and it limits our capacity to be present and to hold space for those that we love sometimes. So if we intentionally make time at the end of the week to offload things that have happened within work or business or any of those frustrations, not only are we intentionally making space for our partner or our kids, but we are not emotionally dumping throughout the day a challenge or problem that may no longer be of significance by the end of the week. So my therapist also recommended um, daily relationship check-ins with my partner, but no emotional dumping. So we're, you know, we're checking in on each other to make sure that we are good, that we've slept well, that we've eaten um, you know, that we're on a high vibration. And even if we're not, you know, just being there for each other, um, but not emotionally dumping on the other person. A huge thing that I had implemented years ago before emotionally dumping on anyone is to ask them first if they have the capacity. You know, it's unfair. We don't know what someone is dealing with on a daily basis. We don't know the day-to-day, every single minute of what has happened throughout the day or, you know, what they may be holding on to. So before we dump all of our emotions onto that person, asking them if they have the capacity. One challenge um, or task my therapist has given me is no more cooking meals for my adult children. I have a um, child that is turning 26. I have a 22-year-old that just had my first grandchild. And I have a 17-year-old. And they are not babies. I used to take pride in continuing to make their regular dinners. 
And even if it wasn't things that I was able to consume because I had stopped eating meat, um, you know, I've gone back occasionally, um, but I no longer consume dairy. I can't have gluten. There are so many things that I cannot eat, but I would make the time to make the meals for my family on top of being all of the other things. Now, (laughs) I... I'm not one of those women that believe that, you know, if you are the primary breadwinner and, you know, you're doing all these different things that you should also have to keep up with all of the quote unquote gender roles within the house. Now, yes, I do enjoy cooking for my family, but in my season of self-care, if I am going to cook, it needs to be something that I can eat as well. And if they would like a meal, because they are all adults, I'm able to assist them with the meal prep and train them to cook on their own. Now, this was a huge challenge, but I see my son has taken up to the task of replacing and making many of the meals that he enjoyed. And I love seeing him in the kitchen cooking and making things that he enjoys and perfecting and some making way better than I ever could. Now, my therapist also recommended that I (laughs) try to work on toning down my OCD. Now, I am someone who likes to excessively clean. Uh, Partially back history of that is because I was diagnosed in 2006 with an autoimmune disorder. And if I, for example, got a cold, not like a regular person, I wouldn't be, you know, well in three days. Sometimes it could take up to a month. So for me, when I see mess, that mess equates to germs, that germs equates to me being sick. Me being sick equates to me not being able to work. As an entrepreneur, me not being able to work means no income. No income means the bills are not getting paid, and then that just snowballs in my head. But the therapist recommended no more cleaning up after my adult kids, even if I have to leave a mess there for two weeks until they understand to clean up after themselves. (sighs) That has been a challenge. Now, um, the therapist also recommended that the kids have a weekly list of chores and not daily. I was someone who used to have uh, daily chores for the kids and get frustrated when they didn't do their chore at the end of that day. Now, to save myself the stress, she recommended having a weekly chore list. And they have the week on their own time, but they are responsible for their contribution in this household when it comes to the chores. Something else my therapist recommended is that I rotate uh, weekly with deep tissue massage, uh, acupuncture, and chiropractors to release stress. Since starting with her, although um, I go to therapy sessions twice a week um, with a busy schedule, I have still managed to include going to the chiropractor twice a week, going to massage uh, every other week, And I am presently booking my appointments for the acupuncture. Now, I hold space for a lot of people, including my own children. And as a nurturer, (laughs) I always want to, you know, take on. I'm an empath. So when they share their hurts with me, I feel it deeply and want to usually do something about it. But the therapist recommended that I remove visible emotion and just be a listening ear and allow them to take all of the action. Because if I don't teach them to do that, 
I will enable them to be fully dependent on me, which will affect my self-care. I have to learn to say no more often, which I thought I was saying it quite often, but apparently not often enough. (laughs) But I um, have been told to say no more often to prioritize me. And she's also added in that even if I have to leave the room or the house to make it clear that my no is a no, especially if you've got persistent kids like mine that will continue to ask. She has recommended less screen time to quiet the noise. Now, part of my self-care routine a few years ago, I had already been someone who doesn't um, spend, I'm going to say, excessive time on my cell phone. All my notifications are turned off. My phone is on do not disturb. So incoming calls go straight to voicemail. Um, I don't have any social media notifications turned on. Removing all of those distractions uh, helped calm my nervous system. But my therapist has also recommended even less screen time to help quiet the noise. So I've been spending less time on social media, even though I utilize social media for work. I will go on and post what I need to post, interact with a couple of accounts, and come off. There is no more mindless scrolling allowed. Now, um, I have been in the routine of having self-care Sundays, and my partner has been excellent at helping to enforce that, uh, making sure that Sundays are all about me, no stress, no prioritizing anyone but myself. Um, So, you know, he will cook, he'll get up early with the dog, he'll help with the chores, he'll try to make sure the kids leave me alone. (laughs) Um, So the therapist recommends having one day um, for myself. Also, I need to work on how to communicate my boundaries softer. So since implementing my self-care routine and this extensive healing journey that I've been on, while implementing my boundaries, because I have tried to be firm to honor my boundaries, to some, it can come across as cold. And the more that I have learned to honor my boundaries, the more I I feel harsh it may seem (laughs) when I say that I am not available or don't have the capacity. So learning to communicate my boundaries softer to my loved ones um, is definitely something that I am working on. Now, my therapist loves that my partner and I have a weekly date night every Wednesday evening. It is our time. Um, But sometimes we get carried away discussing the kids or, you know, our work stress or what's happening in the household. And her recommendation, because she also is a relationship coach, is that date nights, we only discuss what has gone well for us and what we can improve on and what is our goal for the following week for ourselves, for our relationship. So those are just some of the tips that I have been given by my therapist in the last uh, couple of months since I've started with her. And I am looking forward to learning and evolving and growing and being able to be not only a better host to this podcast to help you on your healing journey, uh, but also to my mindset coaching clients, to my corporate clients and to my publishing clients. I am learning to prioritize me. I am learning to regulate my nervous system 
and I will continue to share so that you can do the same. I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to take the time to tune in each week and help us rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. I want to thank those of you that have rated the show on Apple Podcasts and that have left a review. You know, we recently just celebrated our five-year anniversary. And we are excited to continue on this journey with you. And I want to challenge you to share this episode with anyone that you think it would resonate with. Anyone that is thinking about going to therapy or you think they should (laughs) go to therapy. A healthy community is a healing community. And a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal 